This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Champions Riot Gear. Your team won. Now what are you going to do about it? You want to get on the riot? What if they mistake you for a fan of the losing team? You could be killed. Not anymore. Riot in style, riot like a champion. We bring you all the gear you need to get in on the riot and show those sons of bitches how drunk you're allowed to get when your team is champion. We've got the key elements for your offense. Mini bats. When you're bashing a head in, the last thing they will see is your team's logo before things go dark. They'll think twice before coming to Game 7 again in your town. If they live, haha. Molotov cocktails. The fire department won't be able to find anything in the ashes of these victory fires. But you'll know. Also, we, we carry a wide range of official logo matchbooks, lighters, team-colored chains, and crowbars. Consult our sizing chart for proper length, now featuring kids' sizes in Cleveland and Detroit. Before they ask for your autograph down at the police station, take a swing for the fences with our doorknob sack. Your team logo is hand-stitched on an elegant 1,200-thread-count Egyptian cotton sack. Wait, they won? They're beating us mercilessly and they have impeccable taste? Now that's a triple threat. Everyone knows the best offense is a good defense. That's why we offer a whole line of riot armor disguised as your favorite team's gear. Don't let a stray beanbag fired from a shotgun cut your rioting short with jerseys inlaid with our light breathable padding. Be sure to buy yourself a helmet ball cap to protect from stray swings from surrounding mini bats. And go to work the next day after rioting, rocking your team's logo on our back braces. Because no one flipping a car hasn't felt it the next day. And if everything goes wrong, Champion Riot Gear also offers a bailout service. Bailout service not available in all locations. Champion does not condone violence or rioting. Please consult local laws before attempting to riot. Mini bats cannot be shipped to residents of Illinois or Michigan. Molotov cocktails limited to three per purchase and must be used in a manner consistent with the manufacturer's consent. Please consult owner's manual and comply with all city, state, and federal laws. Champion Riot Gear. Riot like a champion. A Popco brand. Episode 64, welcome to Road Soda. The 64th episode, here we are. Greg McGinnis and Isaiah Cooper here. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing excellent, man. Happy Thanksgiving. This is our Thanksgiving week this is, version. Yeah, post-Thanksgiving, everyone Totally is... laden with turkey references, but then we cut them out because we want to... We know you're already lethargic. We don't want that. You're over turkey. You're over turkey. Turkey's over out. turkey. But just know, the first cut of this episode was loaded with hilarious turkey references. Hilarious. Puns, yeah. And uh, so yeah, everyone is, you're probably, it could be Monday morning for you, driving into work. We're glad that you start your week off with a road soda after a long, nice holiday. So, uh, 64, what is it, what do we got? What does 64 mean to you, Greg? Or- 64 is one of those numbers, because numerically... It's very symmetrical, right? You can keep cutting it in half and like all these numbers, right? 64 is one of those numbers. When I think of the number 64, first thing that comes to my mind is from the Beatles song, Will You Still Need Me? Will You Still Feed Me? When I'm... When I'm 64. But I also think a lot about the Commodore 64, which was an old computer in the 80s. In fact, anytime my computer pisses me off at all, I say, is this thing a fucking Commodore 64? Like it just... I say it in my mind every time, and I say it out loud if I'm particularly. So it's like rushed. one of your cached dad jokes. One of my cached dad jokes. I've been using it for a long time because everybody knows the Commodore 64. Mm-hmm. It was one of the first, I don't know, home computers. Yeah. Right. You it's had to also turn the little thing up. You had a diskette. It could do up to like three calculations per minute. Or it's whatever. also the computer that uh, first games were on. Yeah, and and it and it's also a computer that the. Uh, what was John something needs to travel through time? There was, did you, hold on, let me continue, and I'm going to uh, tell you all about that here in just one second. So we'll get back to the Commodore 64. 
The other game system, of course, once we said Commodore 64, is the Nintendo 64. Not a huge fan. We were just talking about how on my Thanksgiving break, we were playing up at my sister's. I went on vacation up to Massachusetts for the week. And we were playing old school original Nintendo games, which was pretty fun. Uh, I think he just got some... uh, He has a Switch, my brother-in-law, and we were playing on an emulator or some... I don't know what the hell the thing was. But I was playing Legend of Zelda on original Nintendo, and that was kind of my time. I know after the Nintendo, they had the Super Nintendo, which I don't think was a great leap, but I guess that went from 8 to 16-bit. Then we don't know if there was something in between that. Was it It was GameCube? So when the 64 came out, it was PlayStation. It was... was Three companies were in like console wars, and they always there's always been a bunch of companies. But it was PlayStation One came out, and then Sega, Sega Saturn came out, and those were both 32 bit. Okay, and it's just the processing speed, or how, however the process. I don't know enough about computers and, and CPUs. Most of the stuff I'm saying to you because I just read it a few moments ago. Right, and um, but yeah, and, and then and Nintendo was only Nintendo. 16 with the Super Nintendo. And then they jumped over them with the Nintendo 64? Yeah, they, they released their console a little later, and they came out with the Nintendo 64. So how old were you when the when, when you saw the 64 or you heard about it for the first time? It didn't register for me, so I'd have probably, to know. Probably out of high school. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, because Nintendo was out when I was in high school. Yeah, the, what, the original? Yeah, like I was in high school from 89 to 93. So, like, Nintendo was there up until, like, I don't know, I played till I was a sophomore. Then back in my day, if you kept playing video games after that, you got your ass beat. So we were kind of out of video games. It was in the shadows. Now, and I don't know if it's for better or worse, or worse grown men can get out of their job at 7-Eleven, put the apron down, and go home and play video games for 12 straight hours, and it's totally acceptable. And that is why this country is going to shit. Because you can't <laughs> change from your old ways. Because that's, um, hey man, it's just a really, really, it's the number one form of entertainment. It's the highest grossing. After masturbation, and I will always argue that statistic. Always. That is the first and most Non-masturbatory form of entertainment. So, uh, the Commodore 64 was the computer needed by a man claiming to be from the future named John Teeter. He said he had come, he, he had traveled back in time and he was stuck here. And needed a Commodore 64 because there was somehow some code that only the Commodore 64 and how it worked would be able to process or do something. What is this in? Is this in a book? Is this in a movie? No, this guy really he uh, a lot of people obviously believe it's a scam and like this guy was just fucking with everybody. But it was a real human. Oh, a so really, this is a real guy that got arrested and thrown into like a mental facility. No, no, nobody know, knew who he was. He he showed up online on an online forum and started divulging his whole story. And he would show up and he, he was telling him everybody where he was from and um, like what time he was from and that he was here. And people were like cross-referencing and checking his stuff and looking at all his science. Because he, he laid out how his time machine worked and how all that kind of stuff worked and how he needed the Commodore 64 in order to... Since then, there's been a number of, of different... Um, I, I never heard of that. But there's you're been, saying it was like one of those ubiquitous things that a lot of people will, will know about. Junk. People who are more... Who, who are no, familiar Be careful. With, people who are familiar with like... Certain, not to insult you, Greg, but people that are not fucking idiots would know this. Basically, Generation X and Y is not going to be able to know about this. <laughs> and only the millennial... It's very millennial specific. It's, you know, people who are involved with, you know, those larger online forums, things like Reddit and whatnot. And... Um, you just made me think of, when you said that, you made me think of a, I'm trying to think of the comedian's name now, and I was, I'm madly searching to find it. Patton Oswald. No, um, Hampton Yount has a bit. Oh, yeah? Where, yeah, you were, like, you were like, this guy John Teeter came onto the internet and said he was from the future. No one's sure if it was true or not. It's like, really? It's like when Hampton Yount was doing this thing where he was talking about the news, talking about that Malaysian air flight. Mm-hmm. What's the mystery? We don't know where it is. There's a big question mark on the news. Where is it? What happened to it? He's like, they're being assholes, man. That fucking plane crashed. All the families are dying. And we're like, what happened? We don't know. Let's make some... Let's have people come on and do theories. It's a, it's a fucking great thing. Right. We don't like, know. We Who don't knows? Know where is it? Yeah. We all know where it is. Who knows if John Teeter came from the future? You don't know. You That's true. That's true. We don't know. But uh, we know was... audience, but I'm winking at the audience and leaving this for Isaiah. Isaiah is 
would like to see a little bit more evidence. I need to. He, I need to speak with John. He's open minded. I need to. You know, <laughs> I'm open minded to the fact that I've never can... heard of John Teeter, but you could see. Of course, he'd be need the Commodore 64. It's been referenced. Yes, of course he needs it. It's been. It'll be uh, in the he, new New Testament. This anecdote will be part of the new New Testament yes, when the, the Bible comes Testament. out in audiobook. We call, that's what we call it, the Testament three. There's a lot of things with 64. We picked those two things, and now I'm going to tell you something interesting about the jersey number 64 in football. What position is that? Right now, 64 is typically going to be the guards, the offensive guards, exclusively. Now it's just going to be the big 320 pound guys. In the trenches. But as I was looking it up, I was like, who are the greatest 64s? A guy named Jerry Kramer was a guard for the Packers, like in the heyday, when they like were winning every year before the Super Bowl in the 60s. Jerry Kramer was huge. And then the other two guys I came across with, interestingly enough, are both quarterbacks from yesteryear. George Blanda, famous because he also kicked. He was like the kicker for them. And he played quarterback. And he played to a really old age. And then this other guy, who's if you say his name, everybody that is a big, is a big football guy would definitely know. Y. A. Tittle, Yelberton Abraham Tittle, was a quarterback for a long time for several Tittle, teams. Huh? Tittle was also a quarterback. So I was like, holy shit, two guys number sixty four were quarterbacks, which you just is not going to happen anymore because now they've. So obviously, there's something that happened in the sixties or seventies where they started compartmentalizing the the uniform numbers right. to make it easier for the refs or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and interestingly enough, there's a record. It's kind of an interesting record. Seven TD passes in one game. Only been done by eight guys ever. And it's happened like a long What's time. What's it called? Seven TD passes What's in one pass? game. What's a TD pass? It's when you throw the ball to a guy on your team who's in the end zone. You get six points. You get a touchdown. Touchdown well, passes. Right. So he's standing in the end zone. Yes. Or you throw it to him and he runs into the end zone. So... Only eight guys... Have thrown seven in one game. Oh, in one game. Okay. In one game. So that's pretty amazing. Two of those guys are George Blanda and Y.A. Tittle, both number 64. Both number 64. It's Retired forever. It'll never, they'll never be able to achieve it again. Eight would be really hard. Drew Brees did it a few years ago. It was an amazing game. He was playing Eli Manning, and they ended up winning by like, it was like 51-49 or something. So any, But yeah, eight is, seven is pretty insane. There's no defense going on if you throw seven. So that's what I got for 64. Last thing I got for 64 actually is... Psych, one more thing. One more thing. Ed McGillicott. We actually have 64 things. We have 64 things. Buckle up. Countdown, number 61. <laughs> Ed McGillicott, the not a lot of people know, the inventor of Minesweeper, died at 64. Of course, everyone knows. He died at 64. Not a lot of people know he died because he threw himself off of a building while he was vehemently protesting that anything over 64 squares in Minesweeper went against the concept of the game. And to prove it, Killed himself at 64. Very interesting. Proved Ed Miguelnikov died he, at 64. I think it proves it without a shadow of a doubt. Well, I think he was big into Minesweeper, and you may not play oh, it yeah? that much anymore, but if you do, think of Ed Miguelnikov. And, uh, wow, that's a, that's, that's a statement, right? Yeah. With that news, hey, let's move into some news. Let's move into some news. First news. Uh, the first news right up is on Friday the 23rd, Black Friday, full moon, day after Thanksgiving, my son was born, Adelaide. Adelaide. Adelaide was born. Welcome to the world. My son was born. Uh, on Black so Friday. Auspicious. Mm-hmm. Or was he's, that special? Is he going to be like a, a He's going to be a good great deal. shopper. He's, he was a great he's deal. He's a great shopper. <laughs> he, um, he would be the best. He's gotten all the bargains in the tri-state area first every year. He's... Yeah, so he's a few days old now, and he's a healthy, beautiful little little baby boy named Adley. Congratulations, so, man! That's nice. Uh, enough of the bummer news. Let's move into the. <laughs> Heyo. Heyo. Uh, I'm kidding. He's a. I'm, I'm very happy to be a father. Like, over the moon. Over the moon. Okay. Um, this was. I'm gonna be, just real forthright. There's so many of the news stories that we gather. A lot of them come from. Uh, Twitter accounts like I get a lot of it from really specific little regional news sources like uh, AK97 channel Little Rock Little Rock yeah, yeah. Um, but there are some other ones that are really there's this there's this really great Twitter account called Not The Onion and it's just news stories that are so outrageous you would think it's The Onion but it's not it's a real news story and 
so here's the headline from from one woman mistakes dynamite for candle suffers severe injuries police say <laughs> gotta I'll pay tell attention you what, lady I know Miss Fudd had a quite a Thanksgiving huh <laughs> Get it? I like it. I like the Looney Tunes reference to dynamite almost killing a real person. Well, she didn't. <laughs> Let's see. She'll keep thunder- trying at it. Someone that dumb will, will find a way. Yeah, she'll find a way. When thunderstorms knocked out power for homes in Bridgeport, Connecticut on Thursday, a 30-year-old woman grabbed what she thought was a candle. So where... That's your first mate. She keeps they keep the dynamite next. To, where do you my keep your drawer, dynamite? I got a couple of sticks of dynamite in my yeah. junk drawer, but I always have them wick away, so I know candles, candles are wick toward. wick toward the dynamite is wick away because it's going to be dark. You know, you're, it's how you're, I defend my home. I don't believe in guns. I will light dynamite and throw it off the just roof to or out to the front just to clear it out. Yeah. So yeah, in my, my house, I keep the the dynamite is under the cabinets with the with like the cleaners. You got to be careful though, because if it gets wet. You know, then you can it's get, mostly like, just for show. You know, you just gotta show them the stick of dynamite. Just brandishing a stick of dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> Do you imagine a home? In, that would be a funny scene in a movie. A ho- someone comes in for a, a home invasion, and the, the guy's guy in a ski a, mask, and you're standing there going, "I'll blow this whole he place." A, he's got a, like a gun. He's got a. You got a stick of dynamite <laughs> with a lit lighter. It's lit. No, that see now that wouldn't make any sense because like you get shot, you're not gonna be able to light it. You got one of those vests on with dynamite. And you're like, I'll blow this whole goddamn place. Get out of here. Yeah, there you go. The one where you depress it and you're like, if I get shot, this thing comes off, we're all dead. That'll clear them out. If it ever comes, yeah, that will. So uh, so she mistaken, she accidentally grabbed the dynamite. Authorities say the tragic. <laughs> when does it become comedy? I think now? Yeah, I think some <laughs> things are instant comedy. Instant, instant tragic comedy. A, the officers on the scene had to uh, refrain from snickering and making Looney Tunes jokes. Uh, that's not in the article. Authorities say the tragic accident happened to 30-year-old mother of two who had gone to Home Depot earlier that evening trying to buy emergency lighting. The story was closed, so when she got back home, she went to the basement to grab what she believed were candles. Those are those real special TNT candles. Explosive. To be fair, they're probably not as clearly marked as they are in the cartoons. It's so weird, but when you pick it up, you're like, why is it wrapped? Why is it like paper... Why does it smell like gunpowder? Is that gunpowder? It's my husband's candles. I'm, it's probably I mean, you'd gun- think that if she lived there, she'd know there's gunpowder. You know what I mean? You might hide the dirty magazines, but you might not like try and hide the dynamite. I mean, the kids didn't even... The, even the kids were like, Mom, that's dynamite. <laughs> She's like, shut up. You know, what do you know? Hold on, let me light this, and then we'll see. I'll read the label. Uh, let's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she, she just wanted to light it. It's amazing it. that she wasn't killed. Yeah, it really is. Well, she might have lit it and like walked away from it, or, or once it started going like. Oh, so she blew the shit out of that. Once the wick started nice going, she's like, that she had. "Is this a firework?" <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> blew her whole damn kitchen up. Um, let's say, let's see. Here's here's one that came to us from KUTV Two News. That's a out of this incident. I'm not sure exactly where it happened, but uh, I got the article from. This is from Utah. Ready. <clears throat> Guy with multiple wives. It says, uh, Washington County deputies arrested 41-year-old Tasha Jennings for giving her juvenile daughter pot to, in exchange for a ride to Taco Bell. Hold on. Wait, That's the not... daughter gave her a ride to Taco Bell? No, the mother gave her daughter, Take me to Taco Bell, Tasha Jr. Give so me the, some, I'll so give the some daughter money. gave the mother a ride. And the mother paid her in pot. Paid her in pot. That's not the problem, though. Uh-oh. This the bad. problem is deputies say once she paid for the tacos with a counterfeit $100 bill, <laughs> she was then caught. What's funny is, is so KUTV awesome. retweets it, and they're tw- they're, they retweeted with a comment, and their comment says, uh, this retweet does not equal an endorsement for the use of T-Bell for Taco Bell. Because I guess somewhere in the uh, in the article it says, "pot for a ride to T Bell," and that's what they're worried about. They don't want anyone. They don't want the the heavy hand of the Taco Bell law. How dare you T-bell. refer to us as T Bell? That's because someone from Taco Bell is sitting there scanning the internet, going, "Hey, story about a woman murdered, getting murdered by a Taco Bell employee." They called it T Bell. It was T Bell. Let's, let's send the lawyers heavy. Send the lawyers heavy. We're not T Bell. We're not spending millions of dollars. Getting people to say Taco Bell for you to come and fuck it up. We don't call it a T Bell. We can't. We can't risk all these people mistaking us for the other 
the other thing called T-Bell. Which is what? The... That was kind of the joke. To- Toastita... No, it's called... Uh, got to be toast- some- toast Bell. Sounds close to T-Bag. Maybe that's what they're afraid of. I don't know. What I thought was... Uh, and then... So when I, I retweeted, it says... Um, you know, folks folks pay with... Fo- folks pay at T-Bell all the time with $100... Uh, $100 bills. I'm surprised they even checked it. <laughs> you know, because people are always whipping out hundos. That's like... Would, why a hundred would you... or a fifty, they're both kind of pains in the ass because you always kind of feel like they're going to have to run that little... They're Exactly. Little you got to go to some place where they're handling hundos all the and time. And time out. You don't know where your hundred came from. Don't you always feel a little, like, nervous? Like, you go to an ATM or however the hundred comes to you. Can't You know, you didn't... You haven't been sitting on it for years. It, your money comes to you from some other place. You probably bought the pot with a hundo. You get it out of the ATM, and then you give it to someone like, oh my God, let's call the cops. It's counterfeit. Wait, I just got out of the... Yeah, sure you did, buddy. Mm-hmm. And that's it, you know? I just got it from, from the other Taco Bell. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, or her drug dealer, you know? It's or she's a drug dealer. Probably, right? She's a drug dealer, and someone bought it with a $100 counterfeit bill. She's got a 100 She'd probably come clean and say, I'm a drug dealer, and I think I know who gave me that, because only a couple people paid in hundreds. And then she's a snitch. Mm-hmm. So maybe she doesn't do that. Maybe she just does it for three years and keeps quiet. Yeah, that's what she should do. And then do. she goes back to selling pot. Yeah. She's obviously not that successful. She needs to pay her daughter to give her a ride. With pot. And also, and she's eating a Taco Bell. I saw a new Jack Hustler. They were not eating a Taco Bell. Those guys were living large. A not New Jack Hustler? New Jack Hustler. 80s movie with Ice T. Mm. About the drug scene in the 80s. Oh, okay. Crack was the Is big that drug. anything like Cell Block B? Probably. I bet you Cell Block B is not, Cell Block B is not as good. New Jack Hustler is a kick Do you know what that, what that is? Is that movie? Oh, is that, Cell Block 4. Is that what it is? CB4. CB4, yeah. That's what, yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's a great movie. Uh, I can't. I, the only name Chris I can, Rock. Yeah, Chris Rock. But what's the other guy? Dead Mike was one of the guys in the band's name. Oh yeah, that was like his stage name. Yeah, I, uh, there's I a couple of songs in that soundtrack that I love, dude. It was a really straight out of Low Cash. That was they were there from Low Cash. That's a great fucking. Song. It's I love. There are so many uh, pieces of of media, whether it's a TV show or a movie, that um, had a fake band for the purpose of whatever it is that actually had really good music like um, Spinal Tap Spinal Tap what was their great song though what song did they well they had didn't they had a number of songs didn't they the fake or was it just I don't my the most people love that movie for sure the most prominent one I know of would be um, Metalocalypse I don't know if you've I don't expect Metalocalypse that's that's another it's an adult swim show Uh, it's also very millennial thing it was it was a show. I watched some Adult Swim by the way this week. Like, Devin is huge into the Adult Swim, so we watched. We tried to get Rick and Morty, but we couldn't get it because how do you get? Is Rick and Morty on Hulu? Yeah. All right, so my little brother is going to help me out with that, so I, I will be able to watch. Don't say that on air. I don't want. We the, were trying to help me out, meaning help me out figuring out how to put my figure out how to password give, in give them money account. to pay eight. Yes, yeah, of course. Um. Yeah, there was a so there was this show. That came out called uh, Metalocalypse, uh, and it was just you know your typical Adult Swim fifteen minute show, but it was about a band, a metal band, and for each season they they release I think they have I don't know how many CDs they have now, but a CD for each season and each show had one of their songs in it. And when it comes down to actual metal music, it's actually really really well done. It's really yeah, it's really well done. Uh, but you had to be into like you had, you got to be into metal. It's yeah, it's metal. Not a big fan of metal. When my, when I was a kid, I got it forced on me because my older brother was like huge fan of Metallica and Megadeth, Stormtroopers of Death, Napalm Death, Death know, Clock, Guar. Even <laughs> yeah. though he wasn't a Guar fan, just to have it because like some of the album covers were like yeah, Guar is offensive at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're just it's still offensive. Guar is yeah, Guar is is crazy, but they're. It's it, it kind of grows on you. There's something about it. There is a mood that fits metal, and uh, I've come to enjoy a lot of aspects in that mood. So, let's see. There was I had one other uh, one other news story I wanted to give to you. This article comes to us from uh, comes from to the week. Co. Uk. It's a 
think it's a, a British news outlet. Um, so here's the, uh, the title of the article. Brazilian woman laced vagina with poison to kill husband. Sweet. And, and then, ready? Uh, there's, and there's a subtitle. Cunning cunnilingus ploy almost kills man after wife admits she puts lethal toxin in her private parts. How did she not get killed? So, yeah, that's, that's a, uh, very interesting. Um, so, vagina, it was, what, the, what happened was, I guess she asked for a divorce, and then he, like, didn't want, it was like a week prior, and so she came up with this scheme. Give me head instead. And, and she's like, lace my vagina yeah, it was like a week, yeah, a week later, she was like, why don't you, uh, devious. go do something, and, um, yeah, vagina, vagina homicide is, needless to v- say. Vagina side would be a different thing, that would be when you murder a vagina Vagina homicide is the unit I'm on, man. <laughs> That's what. So this is a uh, yeah from the article. Vagina homicide is needless to say a highly unusual crime, and a local police officer called Walter Cosino Jr. has reportedly ordered further investigation due to the nature <laughs> of the case. The woman may still face. He's like, I think we're gonna have to really uh, try to figure out what's going on here. This is really funny. Uh, the Jezebel website, which I think is a very funny, you, um, it's kind of is that ironic or coincidental? I'm not familiar with. So you know what the, oh. the term Jezebel is, right? It's a lady of the night. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So a lady is a, is a Jezebel, and um, that's funny that this was uh, part of that. So yeah, the Jezebel website points out that poisoning someone through your vagina is not that good of an idea because. Your vagina is fairly absorbent, fairly absorbent, and uh, and shoving a and shoving a. I love that they're they're uh, very layman here. And shoving a bunch of poison in it will probably probably hurt you as much as it hurts the person you're trying to kill. So she should have consulted Je- Jezebel. In the vagina, I would think. It's like putting something in your mouth. Like your body's going to absorb it, you know. And uh, so, so she, she didn't die. Well, she so so. He, um. Let me see here. Uh, yeah, confront. So, so she didn't. She didn't die. She's just you know she's obviously on trial, trial and whatnot. But um, the intended victim, a 43-year-old man, says his wife tried to lure him into bed and encouraged him to perform oral sex on her. His suspicions were aroused when he noticed an unusual odor emanating from her private parts, and fearing she was unwell, took her to the hospital. Medical tests revealed she had doused her vagina with enough of the unspecified toxin to kill both her and her husband. I wonder what she was using. She wasn't smart enough to go, like, wash it out before they inspect. Yeah, I guess he was just like, let's go to the hospital now. Are you okay? And she's like, uh... I don't know. Obviously, if she wasn't smart enough to, like, put a diaphragm on first before putting the rat poison on there, I don't think she was smart enough to, like, (laughs) clean it off. We don't want to use a sponge. You don't put poison. Yeah, you can eat the. the if she wants to make a second attempt, what I would suggest, because I've been to many stag parties with strip, stripper, mobile stripper situations, where I saw a lady that could shoot a ping pong ball out of her vagina, knocked over not a beer bottle, but it was like a empty fifth bottle, knocked it over. You couldn't do that if you threw it. I think. Oh yeah, sure you. Could. I don't know if I can knock over a fifth. You a, haven't a, done that many Kegels, though, and that's what I was. I'm talking about just pitching it fastball style. I don't think I could do it. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a golf ball. Because I, I, like I don't think there's big... enough mass. Doesn't matter how, how, how much velocity you have. I think the 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 difference in mass is too great. Was it a golf ball then? That's saying something. If you can get enough force with that golf ball, dude, I saw the bottle get knocked over. She was on the guy's kitchen floor. Knocked the bottle over. Was this one of those like just t- with the Tijuana road shows? They, they the, came from the, Maine. We were in Massachusetts. We got the, them from the, Maine. I don't know why they came from Maine, but we brought the came. donkey in next. The it, no donkey, but yes, we, we would have definitely paid extra. If you like the possible. Tijuana donkey show, you should see the Bangor Maine donkey. This show. lady should do the Kegels and get like a some type of projectile, something pointy. That way, even before he can get away from the odor, launch it. Crossbow right in the face. Is that, yeah, is it, would that be a better way of doing it? Slightly better than that. She could would it be a good it. way? No, but it'd I be think better than that. It's such a crazy way to do it. Like, why didn't she just poison his food? Right? Or shoot him. That's so... Uh, throw him or up. Just throw do it the old school way, yeah. 
old school way. Vanilla. She could have vanilla skied him. What is that? Do you ever see Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise and... Um, uh, if I I know that I'm kind of familiar with the movie. Who's the blonde girl from um, Charlie's Angels? Cameron Diaz. Mm-hmm. Cameron Diaz plays like the maniacal girlfriend of Tom Cruise. You, you, Vanilla Sky was a weird, trippy movie because he was like being kept alive by this thing, and so he, he was in like this dream world. And then he starts remembering how stuff happened. And he's like, "Holy shit! I'm not even." Vanilla Sky is a company that like cryogenically freezes you. Spoiler alert, it's like 20 some odd years old. Freezes him cryogenically, and he thought he was living this life, and it turns out he died or mm-hmm. should have been dead because Cameron Diaz was like a maniac girlfriend. She's like, Are you fucking cheating? Or are you not with the And she just drives him off an embankment. So yeah, she that is my wife sometimes. I'll vanilla sky you. Okay. Yeah, keep it up. It's got to be a fucking dream. vanilla sky you. Not the dream part. I'm going to fucking drive us off an embankment. I mean, it's maybe I'll be, live. Because Tom Cruise. Because cause I'm pretty sure Cameron Diaz is like a foot taller than... There's a lot of camera tricks. Yeah. A lot of car scenes. A lot of... Yeah, there's had him, had him sitting down on a couple phone books a lot. He's always sitting down in all the scenes. Uh, At the time, there was a woman who was on life support and her f- husband stopped the life support and it was a big case around the time Vanilla Sky was out. Her name was Terry Shivo. Like the husband pulled the tube out against the family's wishes, yeah, I remember. but he was like, "It's a, you know, she doesn't want to be fed." And they were like, "No, you're killing your wife." And I think she did die after they took the tube out. Yeah, they, yeah, it took a, took her a long time to finally pass so, away. So then, because she definitely died, then I changed it with my wife. I said, a "Vanilla Sky, I'm so enraged. Vanilla Sky is too risky. You're gonna get a Vanilla Shibo. Where I'm gonna drive you off the embankment, and then if you happen to make it, I'm yanking the tube without any paperwork. That's a Vanilla Shibo, and it's very effective." It's very effective. It gets what gets what you know. You gotta have some kind of structure. In, you gotta have a the, plan. You gotta have a plan. Kids, you gotta have a plan. Okay. Have a plan. Don't put any poison in your vagina, but if you need That's to so pull stupid. out the vanilla shivo, it, it's gonna be at least twenty percent more effective, guaranteed. I think that was a pretty good news. That was a pretty fun news. You remember last week, Greg, the when we retouched on that story about that terrible those terrible people who created the GoFundMe, that whole scam and with the homeless guy? How could you forget? How could you like, forget that? That's like our we broke that story. It was broken we broke here. It. And we broke the first on the scene. We took it from the first we were the first to take it from the first news story. And we will follow it to the ends of the earth. That is the type of journalism you're getting here. And not only uh, are we great journalists? But I think we're going to move. No, I don't think we're going to move into the creative writing aspect. So Greg and I were talking. Uh, it was we kind of jokingly last week were like, you know, fleshed out an idea for 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 a movie about that. We called it Go Fund Yourself. Remember that we had who who played? We had actors even, right? Yeah, we did have people lined up. I think uh, the only one I remember is Brian Cranston was the judge. Um, we had Vince Vaughn as a Vince. As a lawyer, right? Who was who did we have as the bum? Zach Galifianakis. Because if it was Zach Galifianakis, would be good. If it wasn't, we should have him as the bum, right? Yes. Well, so we're gonna we're considering working out a script to go along with the story. I guess we would have to research so, these people and get the the origin of it. But I think it could make a pretty funny show because I think we are in agreement on what happened, and it's a pretty fucked up leverage like just, right. you know they, they had this leverage coming and then it just drowned them like a tsunami of good fortune and they totally fucking went mm-hmm. south so yeah here's here's our idea uh, what we think would be a really fun segment and what we're what we're gonna do is is uh, we're gonna write that script we're gonna write the script and it's gonna be called go fund yourself and it's gonna be about these three terrible people and here's what we're gonna do we're going to read we're going to write this week by week and whenever you guys tune in we'll we'll read from the script where we are at that point and over the course of however many weeks you will hear a uh, you'll hear a whole it's a, a new segment we're announcing a new segment we're announcing a new segment about go fund yourself i think we have some other ideas but um, for other maybe scripts right 
But, we do. Um, what do, you, do you, but what do you? Maybe we should choose one. Should should go because whatever we should do one at a time. I mean, I think we're going to spread ourselves a little thin trying to write more than one script. Yes. You've seen how we've got zero scripts written between us. I think probably one script at a time is. I think is yeah. a good idea. Let's both. Yeah. And I think that should be the one because we both kind of came up with that. It's like we were both in on that story, but there, we both have side ones already because mm-hmm. as soon as we started talking about it, let's write a script. You have. The one you are thinking about is the guy that is. I don't know to if I build a bridge made out of marijuana to Hawaii, all the way to Hawaii, which then has a fantastical oh. volcano that expels marijuana. I don't remember it exactly. Yeah, it's called was... Bridge to Terabithia. <laughs> bridge to Bridge to THC to TH to yeah, Bridge to Marijuana Town. Well, no wait. So my yeah, that's I, I may have a now I may. I keep, you know, I lose track of what we have and haven't talked about. I think we maybe spitball the idea as a show that I came up with uh, an idea, and I wanted to do as a as a cartoon a long time ago. It was called Road to Hawaii was the name of it, and it's about two friends and uh, they're best friends, and they both have a dream of going to Hawaii, but one of them is terrified of flying, and the other one is terrified of boats, and they refused to go separately to Hawaii so uh, and and legend has it there's a secret exit somewhere along the west coast there's just a se- there was just somewhere in the world there's a secret exit on a highway that will take you all the way to Hawaii and so the show would be uh, these two guys in American towns and American places episode to episode uh for the most part, that's their ideas that they're trying to search for this exit. But really, the show is just about uh, their little encounters. Like it would be step by step. So if it was, I know you're you're huge into the vignette idea of like just like um, Buster Scruggs is that like vignette or or um, you like, know Jim Jarmish? Where are you are you with Jim Jarmish? Uh, yeah, I know he's a director. What has he written? Uh, he he's done. It's almost like every one of his movies. Is I feel a, like I've seen like every adult version of his films, but I don't know that I've seen. Tax, I think films. there's one. Uh, one night. Uh, one is called like One Night in Something or like One Night, and, and it's just, uh, it's a like maybe four or five different stories of taxi drivers in different cities in the world. And just a little, right now. and just a little. He directed it. Yeah, yeah, it's his movie. And then there was another one called like Cigarettes or something. Coffee and cigarettes. Coffee I and did cigarettes. see that. That was a vignette thing, right? Yeah. That was a bunch of little black and white stories. Was Iggy Pop one of the people in that? I never watched Coffee and Cigarettes. Oh, you never watched Coffee and Cigarettes? I only watched that that um, taxi one that he made. Wait, I'm showing you this picture right now. Do you know who that guy is? Without any further, I uh, moved to another person. Oh, you fucking huh? shitbag. Um. No, he looks like a, a musician of something. It's no, I think it's that Italian actor. Uh, it is Roberto Benini. Do you know who that is? No, Roberto Benini was huge one year. We were talking about how studios rushed to make movies about the same thing. Robin Williams made a movie after Roberto Benini won the Best Picture for the movie was called. So Robert William Williams played. He was the he was the copycat guy. You never know which studio started at first. Right. In this case, I think it's pretty clear. The movie was called Life is Beautiful. It won Best Foreign Film in 1997. The story is... How do you just know what, what won Best Film of 98? I don't, but that was like a big one. <laughs> because best That's funny that you said that, though, because Best Foreign Film, who gives a shit? That movie was so Greg good. McGinnis. Everybody was talking about it that year. The gist of the movie is he is in a concert. He gets pulled into the concentration camps with his kid... And his whole M.O. is he doesn't want his kid to be freaked out. So he tries to pretend like this is just a game. Mm -hmm. The whole concentration camp thing. It's a serious game. It's a serious game. I mean, what else can you do? And it's a beautiful movie. Mm -hmm. He really does a fucking great job. Mm -hmm. Roberto Benigni almost became like a break into America cinema type of guy. I think he did some other shit. Because he's like an an Italian, I don't know, Jim Carrey or an Italian... You know what I mean? He's not going to break... Or the Mr. Bean fucking guy. He's like Italy's Mr. Bean or whatever. I think Mr. Bean is Italian. I thought he was English. Is he English? Yeah, you're right. He is I English. But I think he's English with Italian descent. That's why his acting style is like that. Here's the thing. So if um, comedy and acting styles are really region specific. Right. So um, I bel- uh, uh, for instance, like Jim Carrey 
is Canadian, but his acting style is like French. And I believe he's like French descendant in that it's very expressive and big, big facial expressions. Everything is very kind of over the top physically. Just like, um, I don't know how many, I don't know if you've watched a bunch of episodes of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. I've seen a handful. So I don't know if you've seen the one with the guy from Italy. It's a, he's an Italian comedian. If you watch him with Jerry Seinfeld, I think, uh, if you watch him, he's like Jerry Seinfeld in France, like his like popularity and how good he is with what he's doing. But it's almost like some of his punchlines are a face rather than an, a word or like a joke that we say. Right. And then because there's simpletons there, yeah, and, and a face does it. We're much more advanced. I need some wordplay. They're very stupid. That people. was a wicked googly. There, t- that's that's not French. That was the Jay- that <laughs> no. was the Jerry Seinfeld thing. Remember his comedy wasn't oh, yeah, playing we, in yeah. Britain, and he uses an American Express card as it were, Mastercard or whatever, zip around, and then at the end he's got the touch. He goes to Britain and. There and now he knows. Now, now he knows. And he so now he knows if line. he goes to France, he's got to be like a mime because that's what French people. It's, he, it was some stupid punchline, but well, in his in his travels, he's playing cricket to like you know get to immerse himself in the experience. Remember, and he misses it, and then he yells at the camera, "That was a wicked googly." Yeah, he and that's Which that I was an old ass commercial that Greg sent me. Nineties, yeah, nineties. So, um, but yeah, it's different for. That's the thing. It's like a little different for uh, every country. Yeah, um, you know why? Because cinema has different age and different reach in all in, in countries. In the West, America, Canada, Western Europe, we've all been exposed to a billion movies. Italy, probably to a certain extent, but I don't think it's as big. It's not as much Italian shit. Right. And it's all so driven. movies are like this Western thing that they're right. like, I don't so it's almost like us with like anime. Like anime is just a little piece of our entertainment thing. But it's like how much anime has the average American got into? I don't know. I know of it. It's a, that's probably what American movies are for people in Italy or Greece or Romania. I think American movies are almost the opposite because American cinema is so big, and and for them, like for people that are right. into it, you know what I mean. I'm not. It, it's a, it's a hard to make the comparison because America is America, and mm-hmm. the rest of the world is following our fucking coattails. But right. in this particular <laughs> thing, I'm trying to make the expression. I'm trying to say that I agree 100% with you that comedy is a different thing on cinema in different countries It's because yeah. because cinema is a different thing in these other countries right. you know? and if you're a guy in that country trying to make new stuff and they've only got like 50 Italian movies coming out a year mm-hmm. and most people are just watching American shit you know what I mean it's relatively new so you're still doing like the yeah well they do what, what came from their personal culture you know the miming and that kind of thing. That that kind of acting was something that was kind of like came up through France. You know the the traditional mime with a baguette and that striped shirt and the face paint. Right. That's, you know it's French, so that's kind of it's just and it has a lot to do with their their culture, where they came from, and you know even their language down to how they speak. I know in uh, in China a very big uh, aspect of their comedy, like all their comedians, like what dictates the jokes is that there's so many different. Uh, ways to say like one word and one there's like inflections like you go up on the end of a word or down at the end of a word and it means two completely different things so a lot of their jokes are wordplay with that it'll be like a sentence sure one way means one thing but you put the inflection in a different place it means that's like a huge and it's it's got a name it's like word change or something there's like a Chinese word for it and then Chinese flim flamery is the right. term I'm familiar with flim yeah yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that it was I think that was in the paper that I read the and then in China, uh, in Russia even the the females there's female comedians and their entire shtick is bashing men because it's so taboo because because of how the the structure the sex structure or like the Lisa Lampanelli of Russia is is really big you're saying she's really popular well yeah they they have women but all of their material is written by men oh i love it and it's written by men and then and then the, all the material is just bashing men like you know men they're so stupid they they don't know they need women like, and you know what's funny is they're sitting around listening to women badmouth them like oh this is a good idea is, good. is, is she saying my dick is small right even now. though it's very big she she's knows. saying it's small you do joke <laughs> and then he gives it writes it down to a woman to put it out to men yeah so we can this, compare it to like women making fun that's that's funny that's yeah. like very like filtered like five coffee filters yes it's really interesting i i read uh i I really did read a paper on all this. Like somebody like read uh, read a paper on comedy in different cultures and like different like in some. I read there was one specifically on like female 
comedians in um, in Russia. And then there's uh, even with British comedy, if you see their comedy is either really goofy because everyone the the society of of England is very suit and tie and proper and aristocratic so it's either it's it's slapstick pratfalls silly right or it's um i'm just a simple guy who wants my simple things and uh, i don't all this other stuff coming at me is just like i'm I'm simple i don't want what have you seen for have you seen any british comedy like i'm curious to see we we can talk john oliver is a british comedian comes to america but he's and and that's the thing (laughs) is he, a lot of these guys that come to America in their own countries are not that big. They're like run of the mill. But the thing is, the guys that are really big in those countries. How about are really like the, how about like the TV shows though, where like the whole damn thing. Monty Python. Like, Monty Python. Have you watched that's, a lot of Monty Python or just the movies? I've seen I, just the movies, but I mean that's like I'm not talking uh, just the the humor aspect of it in general. Yeah. And then there's a number because they put out TV shows. You know, I remember watching a. There's a show called The IT Crowd. Yeah. You ever seen that? Yeah, that's uh, Sean Pegg and, and the guys that made Hot Fuzz. and. Um, uh, yeah. The IT Crowd. They wrote it. Is they that the IT Crowd? The IT Not Crowd the... is the two guys that work for like, the, they're like the IT guys. Yeah, yeah. And, at I'm... the department store. And there's a woman and there's the two guys. I don't think it's Sean. I think it's Spaced. I think you're. T- uh, I think Spaced is the one with Sean, Sean Pegg. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're right. Which I have not seen. Right. But the IT Crowd, it's very... It's got a laugh track, for Christ's sakes. It's from yeah. like the it's 2000s. Very, it's very deadpan, and that's why that's where that comes from. I'm very simple, very like they, there's, and that's not speaking. I think for it's 100%. more the slapstick thing you were talking about because right. like one of the guys is so outrageously socially awkward, right? And the other guy is just like your typical level of social awkward because he's an IT guy, mm-hmm. like that given amount that we expect. He it's works like the Big computer. Bang Theory. You got one guy that's just like over the top. I autistic. suppose I suppose it would be a precursor to the Big Bang Theory, and then you have the guy who plays Simon. Is a guy with like the glasses, and he's got this idiotic hair, and he always dresses like a total dweeb, and he's just way out of touch. And that's mm-hmm. the slapstick aspect because he's always like, "What about what? I don't get it. What's the, you know?" And then there's a woman who despises the IT guys. That's the triangular thing they got going. She is like managing the department, going like, "Get such dorks! I'm never gonna get out of here if you guys can't get your shit together." And then you get the one guy who's like the malcontent IT guy that knows just enough to know. He's not as much of a dork as the other guy. It's funny. It's very understated. Like you said, the jokes are all very, um, you know, you insert your own relation to it. Mm-hmm. So you're laughing hard at shit because you're like, yeah, I know a guy that would do The guy I'm thinking of that plays that guy definitely would do that. That's funny, you know? Right. But And there's a few other shows. Like I watched an older one. Recently I, I revisited like six or seven episodes of it. I think it was Faulty Towers, the show with the, the guy runs a hotel. It's... Um, it's not Cleese. John Cleese? Oh, it is John Cleese mm-hmm. that runs the hotel. Him and his wife, they run this like half-ass hotel. He always wants better clientele. And she's all about the bottom line. Like, just let's, we got to make money. And he's always like downplaying. He's always j- judging people by how, you know, the book by its cover thing all the time. A guy comes in with a suit, totally kisses his ass. A guy comes in not dressed well. You're a piece of shit. Get out of my hotel. Right. And it's just very, and he's always trying to like get shit done. He's got a... I don't know. I, I thought it was a pretty funny show. I think British stuff is okay. I could, I yeah. could, and I can laugh at a British comedian. That's probably the closest to American, you know, because we're kind of in. I think solid. Australian is. Maybe Australian too. I guess. I think Australian is like the closest. Uh, Canada and Australia are like the closest. Canada, obviously, Canada is closest American. Like I mean, shit, half too. the people on TV are fucking Canadian. Yeah, I know. There's Literally. a lot of Canadian people. So, yeah, there's no difference between Canadian The The Canadian... American. Wait, was Night on Earth the movie that you were talking about? The Jim Jarmusch yeah. movie? I think I saw that. That's wicked old. So but it was another so vignette movie. I think the idea originally how I... Were they how, taxi drivers? Yeah. yeah. Taxi drivers in, in like four different cities and it's just like 20 minute little things. So... That was yeah, a Jim so, Jarmusch. He broke and brought him up. And then he did Broken Flowers, which was not right. really a vignette movie. Did you see Broken Flowers? The only one of Jim Jarmusch I saw was uh, uh, Night on Earth. Broken Flowers is the one with Bill Murray where he's got a daughter. He finds out he has a daughter and he has to somehow go find out which woman is the mother. That that's not that sounds so original. I've never heard of a movie ever like that. But you know what though? There's only like five stories in the world, dude. When you when people right. say shit like that, I'm like 
But you can you put a different just put fucking... a different suit on it at least. Yeah, there's nothing original. For, You're right. There's there's there since is since any nothing. of our ancestors were born. Of course, it was all done immediately. You're right. But the, it's a it's a funny movie though. But I want to make fun of Jim Jarmusch. So it's a road. I can't believe he made a movie. Do you know how many movies are made? What an idiot. It's a road trip movie where he has to go visit each one of these women, and that's a very funny device. For whatever your thing yeah, to, is. to give yourself that vignette feel. It, it wasn't even like a super funny movie, so much as it was just you wanted to see where it goes. Once someone starts on a journey like that, you're like, interesting, yeah. Let's see where like it's automatic free pull, whether it sucks or not. I mean, it has to really suck, and you're like, I don't even care where this goes. I'm yeah. going with it. And that the ups, upside to the the vignette is one you might hate, and the next one you might like. So if you're like, I eh, just screw this this like little this little clip, this little uh, vignette piece, and the next one, and and the idea for the Road to Hawaii thing, originally I, I thought that would be a really fun cartoon. Because I got this dream that I want to make a cartoon one day. And that's like the cartoon I'd want to make. But that would work as a vignette movie script. You can, you can you could do that as a live action vignette. Just like different towns across America. You could do like three or four. And you also had an idea immediately, which... Yes, which... And I told you about this for a while. And I know I brought this to the podcast... In a previous, the previous, but I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. So you got to explain it again. If, if even you don't remember, then yeah, it was it's forgotten the time. It was, it's the theme is Grant basically remembers. dirty cops, and it's a road trip type of movie. And here's my idea: you got a cop, he's in town A. And actually, the more I think of it, maybe we can make it all Florida because everyone already thinks Florida is a fucking joke. And the purpose of this movie was to showcase one showcase how dirty I think cops really are but in a funny way bring that out to the forefront without making it like some expose because let's face it we, I, I really feel like cops are abusing their power in every fucking possible way and I like to watch comedies so I think it would be funny to have a guy let's say a cop that like because I started not so much with a script but like a outline of the movie it would be like bad boys meets bad santa he's he's maybe he's not a bad cop or maybe he's doing something a little bit illegal like kind of you know like the type of thing that nobody would really get super up in arms about but it's an abuse of power mm-hmm. and then he finds out like on a friday or like in a week before it's going to happen because he's got a friend in the clerk's office or whatever that he is going to get brought in for some charge and he's like that what i have nothing to do with that and then his buddy in the clerk's office says look there's like 10 of you guys you're all getting in. He's like, this is fucking bullshit. I didn't do this. And he's like, dude, they're, they're going to bring the charges. You're going to be removed. You know, your badge is going to be removed, whatever. So now he takes the list and he goes to find these other guys. And each, the, the best part of this movie, I think, could be each town he goes to, he has to go find the other cop that's on the list. And that guy is actually doing, like, extremely shitty stuff that could be, you can make it funny. I had a bunch of good ideas, which I won't spoil for right here, but... I had a bunch of good ideas for funny abuse of power things. Just give us the worst one you have. Well, one there, was, have. there was one where like a guy had uh, the cop. Because, you know, you always, when you write these So what scripts, town would this one be in? Maybe this one would be up in like the Panhandle. The Panhandle? Or Tallahassee, maybe. Or somewhere out there. And I'm, the guy I was thinking of for this particular one, I, I, I had ideas for all of them. But the one that I thought was the most fantastical was, um, what's his name? Uh, the guy from Eastbound and Down. Danny McBride McBride is the cop up in Tallahassee and he's so abusive with his power he's got like it's almost like this guy's doing this and then this guy's doing that and this and then by the time you get to Danny McBride he's doing all that shit and he's got like a illegal alien like maybe like a Chinese uh, illegal alien that like keeps his whole house for him cleans his house it's like his and secretary co- and he no like he just it, uh, does everything indentured servant does right. everything like, you son of a bitch I'll send you back to China Go make us some meatloaf, like the Wedding Crashers right. thing, or like, and he just has him doing this. He's like his indentured servant, mm-hmm. and the guy can't even leave the property, and he's just like, whatever, man. Yeah, have a come down, and have a drink. Hey, you know, give some Ching Hao. <laughs> That's really insensitive, Greg. It is really insensitive. <laughs> yes, I. So I think the abuse of power thing could be done in a way that it could be putting it out there that we know, because that's kind of what I like is when. You take something that is evident that's out there, that is pissing people off. Obviously, people are pissed off that they're shooting people, mm-hmm. right? And then you have the camp that's like, well, look at the body cam. That guy was like on PCP and it took four people to take him it's down. It's hard, you know. You're, you're in a job where you, you go to work every day and somebody's aiming a gun at you. It is it's hard. hard to keep, you know. That's the one thing I think we should all be agreeing on. And some people going nuts and not agreeing on that basic point is that they go to work, they could get killed. Cops get killed all the time. Yeah, it's probably Cops the, kill you know, people all up. the time. 
it's not like, well, there's just one way to fix this. They all have to fucking not shoot people. Fuck you. Yeah, because there's probably a lot to... of cops that didn't die because they did fucking shoot the guy. Exactly. And that doesn't make the news right now. The cops shooting the guy did. And, and there's egregious cases where you're like, that definitely looks like they should not have shot that guy. You know, right. mi- so anyway, I, I not when to, but to make light of it, I think sometimes can bring something into the culture in a more palatable way that people that aren't up in arms will walk out of it saying that was pretty funny. But and the, you know what? That almost happened near where I'm from, or I heard that was similar. So it would be kind I of. I think if we took real cases, yes, and, and just you know, and almost like animated them. Do you think but, it would be too close to Super Troopers? No, I honestly I didn't like that movie, and that was one group of cops, the stadies versus the local cops or whatever. So mm-hmm. I, no, this. Would but I mean, be, they were doing. They were they were like abusing their power within their. Some of the things that I they were doing. I guarantee you, the idea that I have is nothing like Super Troopers. It's nothing I, like it. Well, because I didn't even like that fucking movie, man. I hear you, people say this it all the time. This is the first original idea I've heard ever. <laughs> I can tell you this. It will not be original, that's for sure. And number two, it will not be anything like Super Troopers. I really think it... it but would... I think a road trip movie can be funny because you get to... It's all, it's like a vignette, basically. Mm-hmm. Traveling with a build, with a... Uh, you know, it's a journey. People want to see how it's going to turn out, and you keep building it. And then at the end, they find the evidence, and they, go, oh my god, we got to go to Miami to get the real bad guy. And then we turn him over, and then we find out the judge that was going to put us on the list is only doing it so he can throw some, you know, light now off. Now of I him. get it. Now it's like Reno now it all comes together, and the guy's girlfriend thinks he's a bum because he's going to get busted, and then it all comes together. He redeems himself. There's redemption. The journey is complete. The bad guys get put in jail. Bad cops are showcased for what they are with bad cops, and everyone wins. I think it'll be a fun movie. You know what else I think would be fun? So, uh, on the next episode, we're going to begin. Also, I think the the main guy, the main cop, should be Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Because Steve Carell is the perfect guy who is, I'm your regular everyday guy who kind of got sucked into something a little bit bigger than me. And I think that I'm just trying to make it right. But I think Steve Carell has a little bit too. He brings a little bit too much baggage to it. It would have to be a more nondescript, like you know, 165 pound white bread. <laughs> nothing there. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Because you're trying to show like he's just a cop. He's just supposed to be like tofu cop. Mm-hmm. Tofu then cop. The That's spice the name of the gets, movie. Then the spice gets added throughout, and then you go, "Wow, that guy was pretty good." If you bring someone that's too big of a name and even have them in mind. You're like, what would Steve Carell do here? And I don't want that. I you want, don't want to write for somebody. You want to write a character. That one particular one. A lot of the other ones. Danny McBride's already in it. Danny McBride's already in it. Will Farrell will probably be one of them. I think Tom Holland is going to be the indentured Asian servant. <laughs> that would be good. Or maybe I can have John C. Riley play the indentured servant. He's done that in... Uh, he did that in uh, Tim and Eric's Billion Dollar Movie. He was an indentured servant in there? He was... Well, he was the guy that like worked at the mall. No, you don't remember that. He was... It was a pretty nasty part. Boogie Nights. He was the indention servant. He was close to no man. He was he was badass in Boogie so, Nights. So, uh, and here here's something else. Once we begin, um, once we start, you know, next week we're going to come up. We're going to start with the opening to the script, and we'll read a few pages that we have written. And um, or I don't even know if next week will we we should just show up next week with the plot laid out. Because you can't just start writing a movie without knowing the, the beginning, middle, and end, so you can know the. It might bone be a structure. little ambitious for next week, but I we might will be work towards. But we'll, whatever plot. we do have, yes, whatever we do have, we can discuss. If anybody has any input throughout the process at all, it's almost like this could be a crowdsourced written film, in a way, and it'll be fun because it is a lot of fun. We would love super hot off the press, mm-hmm. and I think we're gonna have fun with it because I think everyone can see what like will will relate. To what happened to these people, which is good fortune, they brought upon themselves, and then it just washed it, over them like a tsunami. And, and the whole thing was a scam from the beginning. Yes, so they they were kind of bad people. So I think you'll walk away saying they got what they deserved. Okay, yeah, but not maybe you'll you know that's sometimes the interesting twist in a movie. You can say that was a little more than they should have got. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They were trying to rip some money off and not hurt anyone too big. You know what I mean? Four hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> then it was became too bad, and now they're probably going to jail for years. So it's oh, like yeah. fuck. So, hey, that'll be a lot of fun. Did you know? Did you ever watch um, Boondock Saints? Yes. So the first one was one of a very brilliantly made and done movie. On it was like lower budget. The guy wasn't a super huge director. Willem Dafoe was in it though. Yes. Yeah. And then the second one, it was 
decades before they made it and when he made it he had a forum where people were kind of putting together like what they wanted to see in the movie and like the way they wanted the script to go and stuff after seeing the first one or before the first one was even made well the first one was made and released it was supposed to the week it was supposed to come out the Columbine shootings happened and so it never got released to theaters because it was a movie about two guys in trench coats and sunglasses shooting people up so they were like eh you know what let's not release it so it never actually got released in theaters Oh, and never? It never got released. They didn't theaters. just postpone it? No, they just, it went straight to, uh, it only went to film festivals and to, and it was only in, I don't even think it immediately went to film festivals because of still the weight of what happened. And then, um, but it was just like DVD and word of mouth and it quickly became, it's like a huge cult classic, really well-made film. And then the, the second one wasn't made until like 2000, I don't know, 10 or 11. And um, yeah, and a lot of people a lot of people really hated it. Really the second hated, one really hated it because it was crowdsourced or just because it, because it was it was so. What he did was he he made a movie where you saw the first one, you loved the first one. Show up here just to for a hoorah. Show up for this one, and you're just gonna see your favorite characters doing your favorite shit. And there's gonna be a lot of like nods to to the to the to the fan and a, and a hoorah and check me out. I'm doing. And it wasn't like. That's and it was if you went in with that mindset and just to have fun with the same people that you you've already grown attached to in the first one, it's a fun movie, but it's not definitely not that like. There's I think that happens a lot. The way that Hollywood now has turned into such a production, like a, a focus group model, like Austin Powers, I think is the worst example of it. Even though I don't hate the sequels, the I first think all one, of them are really funny. Yeah. I think the first one was really funny, but I think the. What they do is they go, all right, so we've looked at a graph. Minute 17, 39, and 56 are the big laughs. So those three scenes are definitely going to be replicated in the next one. And then they right. just went, all right, so he fell down, and then he said this to the girl. Then this happened. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. He says this to the girl. Then this happens. Then he falls down. Right. Huh? In I... a different costume, totally different place. It's People different. loved it before. They will love it again. It's different. And that's, but you I, love it. I think that's what happened right. because those Austin Powers movies. I think they, they do that a lot with a lot of shows and a lot of things. And, you know, and, they, and some of it felt like that too because Mike Myers has just been doing that shtick for so long. I think what he, was it? The first one he wrote in two days. I think. Really, I'm pretty sure that's the story. He he wrote the first one. I said this on the podcast a long time ago when I went to go see that at the movies, like opening weekend back in what was that like '94, '95. I don't remember. I went to go see it at the movies. I think it was I later. I got out of the movie. I think I went to go see the 7 whatever. 9 o'clock, I'm back at my house. And my little brother is 14 at the time. 13. So that You picked him up and you went back to the movie said, for the 10 o'clock show. you will love this movie. Let's go right now. We got in the car and I took him to see it and I watched it again at the movies. That's like, brilliant. Immediately. And I still thought it was still fresh. And obviously, now he's there. So I'm selling the shit out of it with like extra... Li- I just thought it was that funny. I, I was expecting it to be funny... When you expect something to be really funny, and it still goes to the next level, that means it's really because a lot of time your expectations are never met. Yeah, so I crushing. really love that fucking movie, so. you know. And I knew the sequels wouldn't live up, you know, but they're funny. They're, they're like all really watchable. Funny. Yeah, I they're, they're good. Yeah. I, I like them. They're all like the same vein of what's going on. It's, but um, as far as as far as sequels go, I think they're much. There are movies that are much much worse. But you know what? Let's choose for next week. We got to choose a millennial book club too. Yes, it was just you. You said it. Uh, it was uh, funny because you you brought it up and you're like, "Hey, did you hear about that new Coen Brothers film coming out? Also a vignette film." Yes, which I thought was coming out of the movies. Then you looked into it and said, "Hey, that's actually coming out on Netflix." Yeah. I don't know how much they spent. I bet it was a fortune. But I, yeah, that definitely should be. Our he next. got a piece of that billion dollar pie. I think the Coen Brothers got a piece of that billion dollar pie. They definitely did. That's it's what it is. Billions that? dollar pie, isn't it? Yeah. What is it? Eight billion dollars. Yeah, they're like into? the fifth biggest content spender in me. Like the other ones are like Disney, NBC, Fox, and then like Netflix. They're as like far as that, spending. Well, they're spending. That's over, just spending on content. On content because they don't have to. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff that they don't have to to pay for I guess the but I think that number though is like NBC probably spends like 96 billion dollars but for the actual content of like you know the production and the writing and all that yeah that's that piece Netflix is chasing they, yeah best. and I also think they're spending above their value if I'm not mistaken because it's one of the just like YouTube um, a few years ago YouTube 
uh, I don't know if they still are, was in the red because of how they were setting themselves up in the future. They knew they were going to be able to make all that money. Oh, most back. of those things are so making money. Yeah. So when they put out that eight billion, they know that projected through they're going to have all this content. They're going to bring more people. It should pay for. It. Should pay for itself, man. But um, also, so yeah, next week we'll come back. Let's watch. The Ballad. The of, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah. A little vignette. It's a Western vignette. I'm, I'm a Western fan. I like Westerns. And uh, we'll Do you come, normally like Westerns? Yeah. I got into Westerns after reading a, a comic book called Preacher, which is also now turned into a show on AMC that's uh, kind of loosely the same story, but it got me really into Westerns and I watched it. Is it like modern day? Kind of. It's it's interesting. We sh- we'll uh, absolutely talk about that one. Kind of so like next, how... how uh, what the hell was that one that um, Seth? That's the one Seth Rogen made. Seth Rogen, not Seth Rogen, the guy from Family Guy. Seth Green, no, the guy from Family Guy, the guy right McFarlane. Seth McFarlane wrote a western. Seth Green is also on Family Guy. He's the voice of Chris. My bad for saying Seth in a cesspool of Seth. Seth, because there's a Seth involved in all of these. Seth McFarlane wrote a western, and I read it. Because I started the library and I was like, he wrote a fucking book. It was like it was this, really funny. Yeah, I saw that. It was really funny. And what I loved about it was it was set in the old dusty west, and they were the only two that had modern sensibilities. And everyone you else heard so and so smiled in a picture. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, I wouldn't touch anything. Everything is germs. This is place is filthy. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's that meant. To, yeah, it was it's awesome. Very very clever. It was a very funny. I liked very it. Funny. So I. Th- I'm looking forward to Buster Scruggs. Buster Scruggs. Coen watch Brothers. it because we're going to spoil the shit out of it next week. I know we're both going to run right out and watch this start to finish. Watch or be spoiled. Thank you, everybody. This concludes episode 64. Thanks for coming out. Thanks. And uh, thanks for uh, cracking into Road Soda. We'll see you next time. See you next time, everybody. Have a good week. <laughs>